I'm Sarah from Ontario, Canada. I'm an English teacher, and writing can be tremendously healing. Hi, welcome to the Writer's Rotation Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Stamps. I love words and writing and people and talking. So I'm talking to people who write all kinds of things in different professions. It's a writer's rotation. Sarah, you're my very first interview. I feel very honored. I had a podcast and it ran for four seasons. I feel like I'm a better person because I had like over 100 episodes of like my podcast. Oh my goodness. Is it still on? Is it still up? Yeah, it should be. It's in French. The episodes were like somewhat bilingual. It was all education based and it was called Que Sera Sera. What will be will be. But instead it was like Que Sera and then my name, like with a question. So like what will be of Sarah kind of thing, like as a teacher going into the world because I had started my podcast when I was uh, in teacher's college. That's so wonderful. And you're a teacher. I am. I'm so proudly a teacher. I'm like one of those maybe like obnoxious people that like, you know, just love being a teacher. Passionate teachers. Have you always taught high school? Yes. Which was surprising because I just love little kids so much. Growing up, like I would help with like soccer camps and swimming camps and, you know, with like little friends, as I say. Um, And then I just ended up in high school and I was like, am I sure? And after my first year, I was like, I will not ever leave this place. It's really cool to have an impact on high school students and you can help them kind of shape themselves, you know, shape their identity. And when I have the chance to teach them nine through 12 or a couple years out of those four, it's amazing to see the difference and to see them become their own person, young adults who are going out into the world. And that's like my favorite part about teaching. It's like I teach English and it's amazing. But at the same time, it's not even about the subject matter. It's just a about everything else that comes with being a teacher. I just love it so much and I'm excited to be like a working mom and have a little little variety in my day. Well, how many kids? That I have in my class or that oh, in my yes. house. <laughs> you both, my mom used to do that too. Oh, there goes the father of one of my children. <laughs> we have classes of about, I don't know, anywhere from like 20 to 30 kids more or less in high school, I would say that's like pretty average. Um, And here at home, so I have a five-month-old and I also have a stepdaughter who is seven. So our house is kind of like a school, you know, there's lots of learning that is done here. And I love the whole authentic learning and seeing, you know, our our seven-year-old discover her, her passions. And she's like really into writing right now. Like she can make sentences. She's only in grade one, but she's full on writing sentences, asking questions about apostrophes and capital letters. And I said, girl, I was not asking these questions when I was in grade one. I said, I was not asking these questions when I was in grade two. I was not even asking these questions in grade three. I I love her. Amazing. Yeah. Now, what is your history uh, growing up with words and writing, Mm -hmm. reading? So much of my like childhood, I just remember like writing in my diary, which is basically just like journaling plot twist. And it wasn't until like, I would say a year ago in therapy, I realized that I was like an avid journaler since a long, long, long time ago, because I used to journal and process in my diary and talk about all of my day every single night. And I still have my diaries. And this was like from since I was able to write probably like in grade two. You know, and that that interest of 
wanting to communicate my day and trying to understand my day at school by writing it, even though going back and reading it's so funny, you know, the way when you're learning how to spell words and the, the sounds, right? <laughs> the sounds that you make to create the words. So I learned that about myself recently that I have been like journaling and writing ever since I could. Coloring and like pencils and crayons, like I'm just obviously very that type, like very type A, very like wordy, very wordy reading. I guess I was like a little less. I felt reading was hard for me because I'm such an extroverted person that sometimes I feel as though when I'm reading, I'm missing out on time that I could be spending with others and like filling up my bucket that I've, I'm not as an avid reader as some like other English teachers are. But I did grow up reading like Goosebumps, for example, is like one of my favorite, you know, series growing up in English. I read a lot of French books and uh, yeah, had obviously that passion for a long time. And I always loved my French and English classes in high school. And then I did a specialization in uh, in French language, literature and grammar in university with a minor in English and then became an English language teacher in a French school. So language is just everywhere in my life. Yeah. If you were not a teacher, what would you do? Ooh, I love that question because I'm also the epitome of, I love teaching and I'm so happy being a teacher, but I would be so happy being 800 other things as well. I maybe don't even see myself being a teacher for my whole life because I have so many other passions. Anything from being like, I've always dreamt of being like the weather girl on like a TV broadcast, you know, like the people who like are in front of the green screen. I think that's the coolest job ever. It's so random. I would love to do that. I love photography. Like I would go and just be like a full-time entrepreneur, photographer, take pictures for people. I would love to like be a politician or like own a small business, uh, like a flower shop, maybe not a flower shop, I'm not very green, but like own a small business, do like volunteering, work at a library would be like amazing. If I could oh, like, wouldn't it? run programs at a library, like I could be I like a this. full-time soccer coach. I love soccer. And play. Are you basically like, saying you're a Gemini? Yes, I am a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> it was just How sort of you know? screaming itself out of the screen there. <laughs> that is me. That How is fun. Okay, tell me about teaching English to, it, these are kids who speak and think in French. 75% of my students are far more French than fully bilingual, which is crazy and is not necessarily the portrait of like Ontario or Canada. It's just very, very specific to this region that I'm teaching in. It is the most francophone town basically in all of Ontario. Just 10 minutes away, it's a very bilingual community where you can get served in French and English and you can have basically conversations in what we call Fringlish at the coffee, you know, at the coffee shop or at the grocery store. And that's totally normal. So that idea of like living not very far away, but having completely different like linguistic or sociolinguistic realities, like it's very, very true. So some of my students, I well, some are like totally confident, whereas others are very more hesitant because it's not a first language. The um, I want to say the amount of insecurity, like when anyone's learning a new language, you're maybe not as confident when it comes to your accent or what is that word again, you know, in English and you stumble and you kind of like get tripped up in your words and you're and it gets frustrating because you're very smart you know, in French and you're thinking in French and you want to express an idea, but to formulate it in English and to, you know, to say it to the class or to say it to a friend or to say it to me, like, you know, I see my students, like I see 
it working in their heads. And sometimes they take a pause and I'm like, it's okay. Like, take your time, you know, or tell me the word in, in French that you're looking, you know, that you're looking to translate and I'll help you. And like, let's take this as a learning moment, you know? I'm curious if these high school students today are like, okay, I'll be vulnerable. I don't know everything. Or are they just trying to pass themselves off as being cool? I think it really depends on the context of the class. Because for me, hearing about realities in other classrooms and struggles of other teachers and comparing them to the reality that I have in my classroom, I put a lot of time and effort at the beginning of my year to like build relationships between students, right? And to create this kind of safe space in class to be able to be vulnerable because I think students want to learn, they want to do good, they want to succeed, they want to be able to speak in English with confidence, right? But they need someone in a space to do that because they're not going to do it at home. They're not going to do it in the hallway. They're not going to do it in the store. So this, for some of my students, is the only place that they're going to speak English all day. And I need them to feel good about it, even if they don't feel good about it. You know, I need them to feel good about being vulnerable. And I see them more willing once we put the work into making sure like, hey, you know, Madame Naruto is going to make sure that no one will laugh at you if you speak in English. You know, I will make sure. And I also model, this is like really truthfully, like I model the French and English brain when it comes to like, I'm speaking English and I'm teaching and I say, wait, what is pipitre? What is pipitre in English, guys? And I model the like forgetting the word in English. And they're like, madame, you know, it's desk, like silly you as if you like didn't know what a desk was in English. And I just model the fact that it's okay sometimes to not know your words, like, and I literally forget my words. <laughs> it's very normal. Also, so many of us still have pandemic brain. Mm-hmm. But when you're code <laughs> switching, you're like, okay, wait, wait, wait. And, you know, and so they're like, wow, Madame went to school in English and she's, you know, she's so fluent and confident and she messes up her words. And like, you know, they kind of look around like, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm like, that was not a big deal. Like, and if you can laugh at yourself and allow them to be like, I'll try and, oh, you know, just like, just be light about it, you know? And it's it's through, you know, you asked if they're more vulnerable. You have to give them almost funner instances to be vulnerable when it doesn't like count for a grade or when it doesn't count for a test or when it doesn't count in front of everyone. Like there, there's little, lots of little micro moments, I think that build up to that wanting to be vulnerable and trying that vulnerability. What about writing? Are they writing? They're writing and writing, and you know that they're writing because oh, they us. made magazines. They made whole magazines, not just little magazines, like unbelievably incredible, filled, like just such beautiful magazines, beautiful in their look, but also entertaining in their writing. When you have a curriculum that says, you know, students need to develop and our, our expectations in English, they're very broad. They're so broad. It's beautiful. It's the best thing. And they're so broad where you can just kind of do whatever. I say whatever as in you can fit an expectation into any type of project. So like, okay, students need to develop their critical thinking through various writing activities. Doesn't say what, doesn't say, you know. So how do you choose and, and what do you choose? What are you, what are you working with? Ooh, 
Well, so in grade 10, I love to do the magazine project. In grade nine, we write a character sketch. In grade 10, we do the magazine project. In grade 11, like there's like certain essays, like there are like, we kind of scaffold them to be able to, you know, write a, a research essay at the end. But that's just very like academic writing. And we do that. And that's very important, especially to prepare the students to go off to college and university. And that's a part of my job. But I also encourage them to write in all different types of ways, whether it be, you know, you taught them how to write biographies, how to write top tens, like how to think outside of the box when it comes to writing with a very specific structure. Like there can be structure, but there can also be flexibility and creativity and richness and your own voice, you know, your own voice and ideas in your writing. And I think that's more what I'm trying to develop in them, especially if I can see them every year, that's like the best thing ever. Cause as a writer, you need to, you need to discover who you are. You need to develop that skill, that muscle that, well, you understand, right? Yes. And, and it's beautiful and it's hard. And I, and I think it's, it's exciting. And especially for them to not only write, but write in English, they're not necessarily coming in with all of the same vocabulary that they do in French. And so like, that's another, you know, there's all of these obstacles and stepping stones it's kind of like a big obstacle course <laughs> but that's also the, cool the because process constraints you know can bring out much more creativity mm-hmm. if you only can do this then you have to use more of your i don't know the right hemisphere of your brain or something if if your left hemisphere is, is a little bit smaller yeah in the well, moment to that so like you know we write things from uh like in grade nine and ten we also do like slam poetry so they have to write poems and then like present them um i also love doing like timed journal writings where we just focus on like word count like how much can you write really quantity over quality with pen and paper pen and paper i put 15 minutes on the board how much can you write can you just let your brain flow? Don't think about what you're writing, just write it kind of thing. And I just want you to write and write and write. And from 15 minutes to zero minutes and zero seconds until the timer goes off, you don't stop writing. And I want you to just see how much you can write. And Do you give them a prompt? And, oh yeah, lots of prompts. It okay. could be, we could watch a video one day and then they write about it. It could be a song that we listen to. It could just be their weekend. It could be one word. It could be one image. It could be one quote. It could be something that we like read in a passage in our novel like so much and so we we obviously vary it there's usually two options because the classic madame i have no ideas i'm like mm-hmm. then pick the other one you know you have a choice you are you got to pick and do you have uh the occasional rebel who says yeah you gave me that prompt but i'm gonna write about this instead which they never would have gotten without your prompt hmm <laughs> <laughs> I encourage the prompt at the beginning. And if I say, hey, you know, if there's like four minutes left and you really have no more ideas, then go on to whatever subject that is calling to you. I just need you to like write as much as you can. I also just want them to practice writing and they'll be like five minutes left and you see the hand. They're like, they're stretching their fingers and they're like, oh my God, Madame, my hand hurts so much. And it's like, this, this is torture, you know? And it is torture. Are they printing or do you use cursive? Um, it's their choice. Do, but I mean, do they know how to write in cursive? Not many, I would say. Not. Many. I don't know what year that happened, but American kids have no idea what cursive is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a strange phenomenon so much that when I'm writing on the board in cursive, I was taught cursive. 
And so that was probably like in 2003, like when I was in elementary school, like I was taught cursive. And so I'll write cursive on the board and the students will be like, madame, what did you like? What is that word? You know, it's like, code. They can't, they it's can't a secret decode. language. Exactly. <laughs> they can't decode my cursive. And it's like, yeah, definitely an adjustment. And what about your own writing? Mm. Do you write? I wish I wrote more. Writing is healing for me as an individual. Like I talked about my journaling and my diary when I was a kid. Journaling like is for real. It is for real. Yeah. Like when I'm having a hard time expressing my emotions or really not understanding what I'm feeling when it comes to a certain event that happened or a certain situation, I feel like I can access those like thoughts and feelings better through writing, uh, through journaling than, you know, there's like some un conscious or maybe conscious block there that doesn't allow me to really express myself compared to when I'm just writing it down. You know, there's like no filter and I can actually access different parts of my brain, I feel like, when I'm writing, which is totally cool. So writing is healing for me and I do journal. I wish I would journal more and that's always something that I feel like a lot of people are working on. Like we always have good intentions, but it's to sit and like do my morning pages or sit and answer like I have my daily journal with really motivating and self-discovery questions, which is just like a small page. Like it's not a lot and it really makes me feel good inside. A couple weeks ago, like I broke my right hand so I can't actually physically write anymore, which is really frustrating. I don't write like books or poems or like, you know, anything like that because I think I just do it so much at school with my students that when I come home, I need to kind of shift gears and do do something different. So yeah, that's writing for me. Learn how to write with your other hand. I have been surprised by the dexterity of my left hand and very impressed actually. So we should all have been taught ambidexterity from from day one. Mm, isn't that the truth? <laughs> I mean, you know, the feet are kind of that way. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the ears. Yeah. It would have been nice to use both of them. Okay. What are some really important words message, phrase mm. that's been really important in your life? Growing up, I always looked up to Walt Disney um, and I always had his quotes like either, you know, stickered on my wall or like photographs of like his quotes or backgrounds on my phone of like very classic like Walt Disney quotes. And one of them that I feel like is truly ingrained in me is his quote, if you can dream it, you can do it. That's like how I live my life is basically, you know, if I if I dream and I really want this one thing, objective, goal, life, I'm going to do it. I can attain it. And it sounds so woo-woo, I guess, but like people who just have big goals and big dreams and go for them, I respect them so much. And I also try to live my life that way. And there's something really rich and exciting in believing that you actually have the power to do that with your life. You know, if you can dream it, you can do it. Like, I believe that. And I I live that every single day because I feel like I, I have a very fulfilling life and I, that I've created, you know, like on my own, essentially. So like, that's my phrase. That's my phrase. <laughs> that is so cool. Oh, here's one for the seven-year-old. Oh, I can't wait to read the things that she has written. Rewrite some nursery rhymes but you give her the prompt. So you would say, have her write down the name of her favorite uh, Like Mad character. Libs? 
Yes. And then write an adjective and then write this and da, da, da. So then instead of Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water, it's Ariel and Taylor Swift ran up the such and such mountain and they did, you know. And so you're rewriting the entire story with the words and the people of her choice, but she doesn't know what the story is mm. until you do that. That's going to be fun. It's so funny that you said that because I grew up with like nursery rhymes. I know them all by heart. My dad used to read me the book. We just took my little nursery rhyme book out from like the attic last weekend to like read to my son. And those moments like reading to your children from such a young age makes the most difference. And I'm so biased. I'm an English teacher. I'm like, reading is important. Writing is important. It makes you who you are. It helps you. All these skills like, yes, but it's true. (laughs) It is. It is true. It's the basis of our verbal communication. (laughs) It's the beginning, middle, and end of it. Yes. Oh, that is really well said. Sarah, this was so fun. I could talk to you for so long. Thanks for having this idea. Thank you. See ya. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writer's Rotation. Like and subscribe for more. And remember, writing is a marketable skill. Smiling is a remarkable skill.